Well, I'm super happy to begin our uh, summer series. We're doing Summer in the Scriptures again. Yay! Some of you are like, I don't remember this. Yeah, last summer, the last two summers, we've done Summer in the Scriptures. This is our uh, third time going around Summer in the Scriptures. It's just a way for us to spend some extra focus on what God's Word is and how we utilize it in our lives. And um, so we're going to do Summer in the Scriptures again. And uh, this summer, we're going to study the book of Colossians. So... Um, I don't know if we have the uh, uh, stuff on the screen yet. You know, here's, a, oh, here's a, little, um, uh, a little trivia. Do you know how many words there are in the Bible? All of them. Yeah, there's a lot. Okay, uh, over under 100,000. Over. Over under 250,000. All right, how about over under half a million words? Over, yeah, 793,137. Some of you have read them all. We tried to read it all. A lot of us tried to read it all a couple of times ago when we've gone through this. Um, there's a lot of words. There's 31,102 verses. You can bring that out in a bar when you're doing trivia, I guess. Uh, the, the book with the least words in the, in, the, in the Bible, anybody guess? Close, not Jude, not, oh, no, uh, Third John. 219 words in Third John. Here's how that compares. The Gettysburg Address, 272 words. And uh, I have a dream speech, 667 words from Martin Luther King Jr. Colossians, 1,582 words. Just shy of Martin Luther King's best work. 600 or 1,500 and something words. We're going we're gonna to study Colossians, you guys. We did two summers ago, we read every word in the New Testament. Last summer, we read selections throughout the entire Bible. Remember that? And this summer, we're going to drill down and we're actually going to look at all of the words in Colossians, all 1,589 of them. We're going to read those together and we're going to focus in on this one book. And so this is why I put this up as my title, like, what's the point? And it isn't like, what's the point? Like, you know, my kids used to say to me all the time, like, what's your point? I'll go, well, my point is you're grounded until you're 30. That's my point. <laughs> no, the po- what's the point is that we're going to drill down into the, what is the point that God has for me in this word, in this phrase, in this text, in this passage, in my life, in this moment. That's what we're going to do. We're going to study Colossians and drill down into the point. I like the word the point, like what's the point? Because in Hebrews 4, the writer of Hebrews says that the word of God is living and active. It's like a double-edged sword and it pierces, it divides. It goes right in, it comes right into our soul and our spirit, right? And it talks to us. We're going to go, what's the point when we read Colossians? The whole series, we're going to be asking, what's the point? So what's the point for my life? Let's drill down and see what the point is. So we hope you're going to join us. Uh, hold up the yellow piece of paper that you have on one of the seats near you, about every other seat. You may not have gotten one because you're sitting next to people who grabbed them before you got here. And um, so we'll have more on the way out. This is the Colossians reading text. I'm going to post it on Facebook. I'll also post a link so you can have that on your phone or your device uh, Um, tomorrow. I'm going to do that first thing tomorrow morning. And so you'll have um, this Colossians reading plan. Look how different it is this time. Like next week, Ben's preaching on on 7-3 on the 3rd of of July. Ben's preaching on Colossians 1, 3 through 4. See that seven lines down on the left-hand column? He's preaching on Colossians 1, 3 through 14. I'm going to talk about the first couple verses right now, but he's going to talk about those. So the reading plan is just those 11 or 12 verses 
So tomorrow, if you're wanting to do the reading plan with us, tomorrow, June 27th, Colossians 1, 3 through 5. See how we're going to drill down? We're just going to get those verses into our life and meditate on them this week and see what the point of those would be for our lives. The next day, one verse, Colossians 1, 6. That's your verse. And we'll see what God's going to do in terms of drilling down. How many of you guys are already like, Jeff, I'm all in. I'm reading this with you. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. If you're still praying about it, don't raise your hand. All right. How many of you are like thinking about it, but like you hate it when people tell you what to do? Who's that? Okay. Yeah. I know. I totally get that. Yeah. I have a really good friend in this church and he's like, listen, anytime you tell me what to do, I do the opposite. I'm like, really? That's so mature. That is awesome. You know, if the Lord prompts you, then hope you can read that, that reading plan with us. Here's another thing that we're going to do when we're, when we're studying Colossians uh, over the next eight weeks is that we're never going to put scripture on the screen because we want you to dig out your Bible and open it up and check it out. And you're like, oh, I got it on my device. Yep. But maybe even dig out the Bible so that you kind of have a little even more context. So you're like, do I really even have a Bible anymore? I don't know. If you don't own a Bible, you can have one of these Bibles and, uh, that, that are underneath the chairs in front of you. Um, or you can get one uh, really cheap, easy somewhere, get a paper Bible but bring your Bible, and if you're like, I seriously don't do the Bible thing, I bring my phone, like then bring your phone. But we're not going to put it on the screen because as we study these Colossians verse by verse looking for what's the point, we're going to want everybody to be in it rather than sort of us just telling you what it's about, okay? So it's going to be really fun to study the book of Colossians together. You're going to be experts in the book of Colossians by the end of the summer. It's going to be so great. And you're like, where do I use that skill? Like, what, like that's something to brag about? Yes, you'll be experts in the book of Colossians. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a Bible in front of you or the, your Bible that you brought, um, or if you totally insist, you can use your electronic one. Uh, uh, especially this time, um, I'd love to have you have a Bible in front of you. So everybody get a Bible. Would you just humor me? Let's, in fact, we're going to turn on the lights. So uh, we don't, usually don't do that so much, but this way you can kind of, I like the mood of it a little bit darker and focused. And now you just woke up and looked at your, looked at your husband and you're like, really, you wore that today? You know? <laughs> So here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab the Bible. Everybody got a Bible. Humor me, because I'm going to actually walk down the aisle, and I'm going to give you the stanky stare if you don't have a Bible going on. Do you have? Okay. All right. You got a baby. Like, that counts. All right? So rest it on Harvey's big head right there. Just put that Bible right on top of him. Okay. So open the table of contents before you do anything else. Some of you are so smart, you're already in Colossians. Open the table of contents. Everybody got the table of contents? If you're in the front row, you need a Bible. You got one, Kevin? Okay. Table of contents. Here's what I want you to see in the table of contents, though. Everybody looking at the table of contents, you're like, there's a table of contents? I usually just feel like I'm lost and that nobody can help me, and I pretend I know what I'm doing. Okay, table of contents, you got it? So in the table of contents, what you're going to notice is there's two big sections of books, right? First one is called the what? The Old Testament. The Old Testament is the story of the Jewish people, of God developing this people to call his own. It was the people he was going to reveal himself to and give us all the basic information that was going to lead us up to the coming of Jesus. So that's the Old Testament. So all those books are in the Old Testament. You're not going to read the name of Jesus in the Old Testament at all. You're not going to see it there because Jesus hadn't come yet. It's the story of the Jewish people prior to Jesus coming. And then the next section of books is called the New, New Testament. Testament. Starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? Those are little stories. I was going to say biographies. They're not strictly biographies, but they're this description of Jesus' life from four different people. Book of Acts is what happened right after Jesus left the earth, the early church. And then you got all these Ian books, and they're books that are letters 
that were written to churches to tell them how to live for Christ. Everybody with me? Go like this if you're with me. And one of those books is called Colossians. If you got a church Bible, what page is that one on? Let's turn to that, 1088. Turn to 1088. That's Colossians. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to drill down so far today that all I'm going to do in the remaining time we have is just look at these first couple of verses, and we're just going to pick out some words and look and see if there isn't a point there, even for us. This is like, this is against all the rules, and I'm actually going to give you like five or seven or however many, much time I've got. I'm going to give you like a multiple, so many points to go, is this a point for you? Is this a point for you? Is this a point for you? Maybe God is in this for you somewhere. And so we're going to start by looking at these first couple verses. We don't have them on the screen, so you're going to have to read them uh, out of your Bible. I should have probably turned to mine. Okay, here we go. This is the beginning of the book of Colossians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Did, did you have the same version as me, or maybe you had a little bit of a different version? There's a lot of different translations of the original. It was written in Greek. Did you know that? It was Greek. When somebody goes, that's all Greek to me, that's what that means. It's, it was all Greek. So they translated it into English, and so different, different English translations may have a little bit of different words. If you had the same ones as me, I want you to read it with me. Let's read it again, okay? If you have the same one as me. Ready? Here we go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. That's the word of the Lord. Isn't that great? All right. What's the first thing you notice? We're going to get a little context here because the very first word is going to help us with some context. The first word in your Bible is, I mean, in your Colossians is Paul. Do you know the Greek? You don't need to know the Greek. Yeah, it's Paulos or something. It's so, it's, yeah. You don't need to know the Greek. Somebody translated it for you. So don't get all into that. Like, you don't even need that. Paul. Paul is the beginning of this. Now listen, we're going to get some context by looking at Paul for a minute. Paul was a Roman Jew. He was born about AD 5. He was in, here's a picture of Paul, by the way. This is the earliest picture of Paul right here. Is that the best? It is actually a mosaic that was from the 4th century. They think this is the earliest depiction of, who, of Paul. That, maybe they could have described, I don't know. Does he look like Paul to you? All right. That's Paul right there. He was raised in, in, in this place called Tarsus, modern-day Turkey. He was trained as a Pharisee. He was a religious leader, Jewish religious leader. He had this incredible training. You should go read about it and, and look that up. He encountered Jesus when he was on his way in the midst of like trying to destroy the early church. He was, he was a part of just uh, trying to... to, to um, uh, um, I'm blanking on the word I had in my head. He was trying to destroy the church and uh, the faith of young believers. And he got knocked off his, his uh, horse by the actual presence of Jesus, who said, um, dude, think again. What are you doing? Oh, tell them I'm busy. All right, that's fine. Um, and, uh, and so he became a Christian. And then he went on to many travels, and he planted churches all over the place, including, I'm just telling you a little story about Paul, just to give you some context of this book, Colossians. He traveled all over the place telling people about Jesus and planting churches, including these really powerful three years he spent in a city called Ephesus. And Ephesus is in Turkey as well. He had a powerful ministry there. And in the book of Acts, it talks about it. And one of the things it says about it was that 
he preached the word so uh, profusely, so to speak, that everybody in Asia heard about the gospel of Jesus because of what he did in these three years in Ephesus. And in fact, he, um, uh, he, he preached like this, like lunch hour talks in the hall of, of Tyrannus. And, and it was some sort of a place there, there were, where sophists would go and talk and, 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 and philosophize. And he went there and talked about Jesus. It said he went there from the fifth, it doesn't say it in Acts, but uh, earlier uh, church fathers wrote that he went there from the fifth hour to the 10th hour. So meaning like it was like a lunchtime, like 11 to four, he went and talked about Jesus for over two years in that one particular spot. And all these people heard about it. And they think that probably this is where a guy named Epaphras heard about Jesus and became a Christian. Epaphras had been a seeker and he had come from the valley of, uh, what's it called? The valley of Lycus, the Lycus Valley from a town called Colossae. And he heard the gospel and he became a Christian and he started to grow in his faith and became this trusted and mature follower of Christ that was partnering with Paul. And he ended up going back to his people in that area and he planted churches. He planted a church in Laodicea, which became famous because it was in the book of Revelation. He planted a church in a place called Heropolis and he planted a church in Colossae. After pastoring this church five to 10 years, something like that, he came and found Paul when Paul was imprisoned in Rome. It was probably, it was, a, it was under house arrest, but he came to find Paul and he said, listen, I've been pastoring these churches and I got some concerns. And he shared some of his concerns about what was happening with this church in particular in Colossae and some challenges he was facing. So he went to his old mentor, his teacher to say, help me, what do I do with some of this stuff that's going on? It's interesting when you start to look at it and we'll see as we study the book, some of the stuff that was going on at the time Sounds like the stuff that went on in every era of all time, and you'll recognize it as stuff that goes on in our time. This essentially was Epaphras' concern. The young believers are being pretty influenced by their Jewish neighbors, by their non-religious neighbors, their pagan neighbors, in a way that they may not even understand how it's affecting them. And it may be that they're starting to forget how unique this message of Christ is. And they're starting to become more influenced by the spirit of the age than they know. How do we keep them on track? Does that not sound just even a little familiar to any of us? Paul, out of his heart for his friend Epaphras' churches, out of his heart for these churches that were planted out of this Ephesus work, out of his passion for the truth, wrote then a letter after talking to Epaphras and sent it to the Colossians. And that's what we have. Isn't that cool? By the way, he sent it with a guy named Tychicus or and Onesimus. Onesimus is who, Art? Do you know who Onesimus is? Who's that? He, he's a slave, and he was Philemon's slave. The little book of Philemon? It's all tied together in there. And these two guys brought this letter to the Colossian church and said, here, Paul wants us to study and read this. And the Holy Spirit, who inspired that, preserved it through the ages so that now we have it and God goes, here, Marin, I want you to read this. And so we're going to drill down. Isn't that cool? So that's Paul. Now, that's some of the context. But back to Paul. He's the author. What does it say about him in the text? Okay, let's go back to your Bible. Look back in in verse 1. It starts, the first word in the whole book is Paul. And then it says what? An apostle of Christ Jesus. Then what? By the will of God, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, Paul. Yep, he's the author, but what it says about him is that he's apostle of Christ. Apostle just means he's a messenger. 
And it came to be beyond that. It became a role in the church. It became, he was a messenger to keep the truth going. He kept it on track. He was one to go out and make sure to speak authoritatively and keep everybody understanding what this was all about, this church of Jesus Christ. This was Paul's role. This is what he was called to. This is the, the, the job he was given to be an apostle. Because it says that, right? By the what? The will of God. In other places when he introduces himself, other books he writes, like to 1 Corinthians, he starts by saying, called to be an apostle by the will of God. It's a calling. So here's Paul going, hmm, this is the gifts God's given me. This is the passion that I have. Here's the calling that is within me. I got to speak out and help these Colossians. He stepped out, compelled to use his gifts to serve his master. Compelled to use his gifts. Called to be an apostle by God's will. I got to live God's will out, who he made me to be and what he's told me to do. Maybe that's a point for you today. Maybe one word. We're one word into it. One phrase. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Maybe that's the point for you, that you resonate with this sense of, I wanna live out who God's made me to do, compelled to use who I am and where he's put me to serve the king, to serve Jesus. Even that just inspires me. This is how I study the scriptures, you guys. It's like a mic drop. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That's it, I'm out. That's all I need. Right there, compelled to serve Jesus with who I am. What else would I do? Paul, an apostle. By the will of God, to serve Christ Jesus. Okay, that's it. Then, 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 what's it say next? What's the next word? Timothy, do you see it? There's another guy in there, Timothy. And what does he call Timothy? Our brother, Timothy, our brother. Okay, I went, I went on the internet to find a picture of St. Timothy. This is what came up right here. This is what we got. This is Timothy. Here's a picture of Timothy. No, no, the other one. There you go. <laughs> well, nod to the football fans. If you don't know who that is, ask your neighbor later. Okay, next. Then the other slide was, yeah, that's uh, Tim Tebow is who that is. Uh, this is St. Timothy. It t what does it say about Timothy? He's our brother. What we know about Timothy, you can go study Timothy's life. It's fascinating. He was a teenager when he met Paul. He had a mother and a grandmother that were full of faith. They were Jewish believers who were passionate. They were from a city called Lystra. And... Um, he ended up becoming this laborer with Paul. He ended up actually pastoring later in life. He, at the end of Paul's life, he pastored this church in Ephesus that Paul started and loved so much. He was a pastor of the Ephesian church. So in the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, that's Paul writing his guy Timothy as Timothy was pastoring that church. That's the context there. But he's mentioned here, he's with Paul in Rome. He's with Paul in Rome. Rome. Paul was in prison in Rome and Timothy's like got to be there with him and went to be with him to come alongside him. And how does Paul describe him again? Our brother. He doesn't actually write the book later. Paul uses almost all the I, I did this. I, I, in the end of the book, he says, I wrote it with my own hands. It's all about he did it himself. But he's like, Timothy is with me, my brother. Timothy knew how to be a bro. He knew how to come alongside his man who needed him in his life at that time to live out who he was. Maybe that's a point for you. And we go, what's the point of the scriptures? Maybe that's a point. I read this text and I go, Timothy, our brother, do I know how to be a bro? 
Do I know how to come alongside the guys in my life? Women, do you know how to be a sister to one another? Do you know how to be partners in this faith journey that somebody can't do it without you coming alongside and meeting your needs? I was just down at camp, speaking at a high school camp. It's the only high school thing I still do. It's this at Mount Hermon. I go, every year they ask, I go down and I speak at it. And it's camp that a couple of my kids have worked at and my son Tommy worked there the last two summers. He's not working there this summer, but he came down from Seattle where he's living this summer to, uh, to be with me and to see his buds at camp. And I watched him interact with this group of bros that were all friends for two full summers at camp and who have stayed committed to one another and gone to the Passion Conference uh, in January together, gone on road trips together. And I just stood back and watched him as a 20-year-old, he'll be 21 next week, watched him developing what it looks like to be a bro and to have bros. I watched them touching each other, loving each other, past the awkward guy thing where they hug one another, where one guy can't walk by the other without just getting a little skin from the hand, like, man, I got, to them laughing at the other ones that are in stupid skits, them praying for the other one who, who had a, a tough cabin that he was hosting this week. So great to see. I couldn't have been happier. I don't care what my kid does, but to watch him learn how to be engaged that intentionally in other men's lives. They need him. He needs them. They're all convinced of it already at 20. Oh my gosh, who knows what God's going to do with a group of men like that. And it applies to men and women. Maybe that's, maybe that's your point. Do I have a bro like that? Do I have a sister like that? Am I engaged like that? I got to figure out how to get engaged like that with people for the kingdom. We could go forever, can't we? Could we just go forever? We're just two phrases into this. This is one verse. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Is that the whole verse one? Is there any more in verse one? Is that it? Dude, I memorized the whole verse. That was awesome. We should memorize the whole book. Who's in? All right, now, that's maybe too much to ask. Maybe not. I'm already one verse in. One out of 1,500 and something. Maybe that's the point for you. And then it goes on to say, those are who wrote it. And then it goes on to say who he's writing to. Okay, so tell me, tell me what the phrase says. I want somebody uh, who's got it in front of him. John Reed, can you see yours right now? What's it say, verse two? To what? Okay, go ahead. We are writing to God's holy people of the city of Colossae to our faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you. To the, God's holy people in Colossae. You weren't going to let me skip the stuff in God's word, were you? You were going to make sure. I know I interrupted you. I'm so sorry. He's like, wait, there's more. To God's holy people in Colossae. He's writing to the church in Colossae. Let's just talk about the words in Colossae first. In Colossae, this is the town. This is the place that these people were. They were in Colossae. Just as some background, and all you have to do is Wikipedia this. And by the way, when you Wikipedia stuff in the Bible, often you find really inaccurate information, so cross-reference it. But um, Colossae was a church about 100 miles east of Ephesus, probably kind of southeast, a little bit of Ephesus. Do I have a map? Did I put a map up of Colossae? Oh, look at that. There it is. There, I, well, there's a big picture, so you can see, you see the boot of Italy, so you see where we're talking about. See Africa's down below. You see the Holy Land's over to your right over there. You see Asia almost in the center of the screen. Asia, that's Turkey. That big section's Turkey now, and that's the province of Asia back then. Right in the center of it is Colossae. 
So there's Turkey. So you can see Colossae with the red dot right about underneath the T of Turkey. So that's where it was. So it's east of Ephesus. And I think it's about south, 100 miles southeast. So it's like, for us, it's like Fresno, okay? And it's probably an apt comparison. <laughs> Nobody knows anything really about this town. No offense, okay? Those of you from Fresno. <laughs> but we're all like, we're the Bay Area, you know? And this is kind of what this was about. It wasn't that important of a town. It was important at some place in its history. There was all kinds of important stuff that went on there, but the roads changed and the economy changed and the, the, um, the market changed. And so it became sort of a backwoodsy little town with not, not much there, except it was near Laodicea, which was prominent because it was, that became a more um, um, affluent community. And it was mentioned in the book of Revelations, but it's sort of nondescript. The only thing remarkable about, what do you think would be remarkable about them? Why would God have Paul write this word why would Epaphras give his heart to it? What would be remarkable about it? There's things God wants them to know. Who's them? There's people there. It's kind of an unremarkable town, but I'm telling you something. There's people there. It's God's people there. And people matter to God. And here's his church in Colossae. It's his church in Colossae. It's his people in Colossae. They're there. They're in the place. It's the very body of Christ present, the good news present in his church in that town. That's us, friends. We're the church in Marin. We're not the only church in Marin, but combined with our other brothers and sisters and other churches, we're the church in Marin. We're the presence of Jesus with the good news in Marin. If we weren't here, there would not be the presence of good news of Jesus in Marin. And if we don't live out the presence of the good news of Jesus in Marin, it won't be here. You see how critical it is? And maybe that's a point for you. Maybe that's a point for you that you're part of a movement of God in this very real place. There's very real people here. And maybe you need to continue to find your meaning in this calling that you're God's hands and feet where you live in Marin. We cannot take that lightly. It's what God wants to do here, and he's going to do it through you. Now we're out of time, but look what we could continue to do. We could continue to go through. Look how he describes the church in Marin. I mean, the church in Colossae. Look how he describes it. Look at the next two, the next two words that are there. You see the phrase in your scriptures. What does it say about them? It says they're God's holy people in Marin and they're faithful brothers and sisters. God's holy people. Can I tell you just really quick? Holy is not about a, a, a character trait. It's not about they're the most righteous people in Marin. Because I know some of you, you are not the most righteous people in Marin. It's not about, it's, it's holy is about being dedicated and faithful is the same message. It's about being dedicated and faithful to our identity as his people. Would that describe you and your experience with God and your living out that in this place where God's put you? Would, it, would you be described as holy, dedicated, faithful? Maybe that's the point for you today. 
And then he goes, that's what he says we're about. And then he goes to say, and this is what I want. I know you're going to need this. And he ends with two really, really, really common words you see in the scriptures. Grace. And what's the next one? Peace. Grace and peace. Not too long ago, I was doing another sermon. I think we looked back at every one of Paul's letters and every one of them, he says something along the lines of who he is, called to live out his role. And then he says, and I need you to know this, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. Because grace and peace, it is the point of Colossians. Grace and peace is an understanding of the whole good news of Jesus. And so everything that he's going to say about how to live this out at this time, he's going to say, and it's part of knowing grace and peace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God and peace is what it accomplishes. Peace with God, no longer any separation because of God's love and forgiveness and peace within because I have found my destiny, that Jesus is the answer. And a relationship with God is what I was created for. So grace, you don't deserve it. You haven't earned it, but you get it anyway. And peace, it's what comes. You are right with God and you're right with the world because everything is taken care of. It's the big picture. Grace and peace. Why would he say that at the beginning of the letter? I think it's because it sums up everything you're going to read. Don't forget the big picture. I also think he says, as you're going to be the church in Colossae in Marin, it's going to be your message. What else were you going to tell anybody but grace? Unmerited favor. And what will come is peace, a relationship with God. And it's all right within. Grace and peace. That's what we offer. Maybe that's a word for you that you have to remember that you've received God's love and unconditional forgiveness. And because of that, you get to walk with him. And life is as it was designed to be. And maybe some of you are even like, I, don't, I think that might be the first time I've ever heard that and understood it. Even right now, you can say yes to God's gift of grace, which brings peace. I did a five or seven point sermon to say, let's drill down in these scriptures. Let's spend this summer drilling down into Colossians, asking the point or asking the question, what's the point for me? Maybe even in this morning, there was one of those points for you. Live out your calling like Paul. Learn to be a bro like Timothy. Be present, God's presence in Marin, like the church in Colossae. Dedicated, faithful, all about it. May God inspire us to a ministry of grace and peace. So may these first two verses come to fruition in your lives. And then as we study this passage, it'll be that much more enriching for us to be God's people as we go in Marin. Stand and receive this blessing. I, Jeff, a pastor called by Marine Covenant in 1996, long to tell you that you're God's good news in Marin. 
I'm here with Art, my brother. We want for you no more than to understand deeply the grace of God and the peace that comes and to go be ministers of it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Enjoy Colossians. If you need a reading plan, there's a whole stack of them right here in the front chair, and um, we'll see you guys soon.